How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of your favorite Swimbait Podcast, Scales and Tails, episode 106 tonight. And uh, we're joined by a guy down in Texas. Um, and so for the last, well, counting this one, be six, I think six or seven episodes, I don't know. Uh, you guys have been hearing, I'm sure, th- those new ads. You, you guys are used to the Leviathan ads. Those have been on here forever, and you're used to those Spotify ads that get played. But you've been probably hearing ta- or hearing hearing those uh, that little 30 second ad from from Lake Pro Tackle, and you know I haven't really posted about it or talked about it much, just because I figured wh- why would I do that if we can just talk about it on here? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we are joined by. Uh, by the gentleman behind the sales and marketing over at Lake Pro Tackle, who's also uh, a guy who fishes swim baits and some other stuff that we're going to kind of break down tonight. We're joined by Mr. Sam Clymer, who I'm sure maybe you guys have seen uh, this, what was it, earlier this spring when when uh, you had that crazy eat on the bullshad and, and Buka posted it on his page? Yeah, that was probably just about, uh, probably late spring. It was definitely a post-spawn fish, but yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah, you guys may have seen him and may have not had you know, not, not known who he was. So we're going to kind of dissect his brain a little bit between uh, Lake Pro Tackle, what they're all about down there, and then also the, the fishing he's doing and, and what he's finding success with down there in Texas this time of year. So, Sam, kind of introduce yourself to us, and uh, we'll, get the, we'll get it going tonight. To kick it off, you know, thank you so much for having me on here. Uh, I'm pretty new to the swim bait stuff, so I don't know how much knowledge I can give to your listeners or anything, but I can definitely give my opinions on fishing down here in Texas and kind of what I've learned through the years. But uh, I am the marketing and brand development mind behind Lake Pro Tackle. Uh, I've been working there just over a year now, and it's kind of been an interesting journey just kind of learning the the fishing market itself, kind of how our clients differ from maybe some of the other shops. And that's kind of what I do right now. Oh yeah, dude. That I mean, that's awesome. What's it like working in a tackle shop? Does it feel like you're at work most days, or like some days is it just like, man, I'd rather just be on the lake because you're surrounded by all that tackle and rods and stuff. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of work for sure. Um, definitely a lot of pressure on me to make sure. Of course, we're doing sales. Like I, I love to bring in uh, the business side of things where I have to think as the business and then you know i have to be like i have to rope myself in sometimes like oh man i want to take off early go to the lake because i know they're going to be hitting real good but yeah no definitely like having the opportunity to get to play with tackle like all day do videos do reviews about it uh that it's almost like a dream come true uh and we'll get into this later kind of how i got into the fishing scene but this hasn't been a dream of mine for you know forever like i haven't always thought that I would be in the fishing industry and we'll get into that later, but yeah. Damn dude. That's, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I would say 98% of the guys who come on here, you know, that's the, the story like, Oh, you know, my, my grandpa, my dad took me out when, when I was three or four and, you know, I haven't, haven't looked back since. And it sounds like you might kind of have a little bit different story than that usual, um, uprising. But I guess before we get into that, we'll kind of, let's talk about Lake Pro Ta- or Lake Pro Tackle. Uh, kind of explain where you guys are and uh, and kind of what you guys offer down there. Yeah, so Lake Pro Tackle is actually an offshoot of the parent company called Pond King. Now, I'll give you a little info about Pond King. Pond King tailors to landowners that have ponds. We stock ponds, service ponds. We don't build ponds, but everything else, we manufacture pontoon boats in Texas, uh, manufacture docks, manufacture fish habitat, like artificial habitat. 
Um, but the tackle side, Lake Pro Tackle, uh, we're located in Gainesville, Texas. So we're kind of sandwiched between Lake Texoma and Lake Ray Roberts. And those are two pretty influential lakes. You know, the classic was held on Ray Roberts and Lake Texoma is uh, one that gets put on the map a lot, especially in uh, like the Invitational uh, and Open Tournaments trails. So um, we're in a we're definitely in a good area to uh, make sales. We're right off Highway 35. Uh, on Highway 82, and we've got a whole bunch of amazing rods, reels, tackle. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of it is very exclusive, which I absolutely love. Um, us bringing that in, of course, getting Swiss stuff. Not only that, but we have a great selection of uh, big names like Mega Bass, and we're starting to get more into the JDM tackle. Hell yeah, dude! That's awesome. And if you guys remember when John Shin came on an episode. Oof. Uh, let me let me look real quick. I want to know what episode he was on, but he he was talking about uh, Lake Texoma and kind of talking. I I I'm when he was referring to the tackle shops, Lake Pro Tackle is who he was referring to. If he didn't make that clear, I can't remember off the top of my head. And that's kind of how I learned about you guys is through him because he talked about it so much, and we had we had talked about where that's where he was getting all the arma arma joints, and <laughs> I know that's uh, he was talking about the fishing reports and stuff like that. So that's how I stumbled onto you guys. Actually, was through him. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, John is such an amazing guy. Like, if you've listened to his story, um, like, if you haven't listened to his story, actually, definitely, like, get on that. He's got such an awesome story, uh, how he came about in the fishing stuff. Um, but he does so much for us, and we we make sure that if we do get Armour joints in, we definitely save him one back because uh, we do have those fishing reports, and we're looking to expand a little bit. So, uh, of course, if any listeners are on doesn't matter where you are in the country we're just trying to get fishing reports share that knowledge with people um and that's one part of the business that right now i'm starting to lean more heavily into uh just for expansion wise and influence but uh yeah dude john is such such an awesome guy on tech selma as well three words lake pro tackle lake pro tackle has all the fishing equipment you need to have success on the water Friends of the podcast will receive 15% off their order with code SCALES at checkout. On their website, you can find exclusive and rare baits as well as rods and reels to have that dream combo. Check out their social media pages for constant updates with new arrivals. Lastly, orders over $50 get free fast shipping. Remember to use code SCALES, all cap locks, to save 15% off on your orders at lakeprotackle.com. Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blades. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference, too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. Yeah, he uh, he makes it. I mean, the fish he posts out of there is kind of kind of crazy. Just the fish he posts in general, uh, it, it's kind of super cool to see. And it's funny because when him and I were talking, he's like, "Oh, you know, you should you should talk to I'll, I'll or how did it how did it work out?" He I think he I think had asked me for my number ago. and he sent it and he sent it to you. I think right. Yes, I think so. Yeah. And, and so when you guys, um, when I talked about, uh, or when I was posting about the shops having the second issue of the zine, which you guys bought pretty yep. quick, 
um, Lake Lake Pro Tackle was who had them, and, and Sam was who I talked to and kind of got it all figured out from there and, and shipped them out, and they, they sold out pretty fast, so that was really cool. And then uh, the, uh, the the Wake Walkers that got posted about a week ago, well, it'd be about oh. two or three weeks when you guys are listening, uh, they had also had a couple of those, and those didn't last very long either. <laughs> no, those those um, really flew out the door um, a lot faster than I thought they would, but you know, I'm sure the ad's rolling on this one, but uh, I'll mention it right now. If you're listening, you can use uh, code SCALES for 15% off on our store online. So, I mean, Wake Walkers, guys, I mean, it comes out to like maybe 145 bucks, which is less than retail, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. And uh, <clears throat> so Kyle and them are doing that, uh, what is it called? Is it the Shops Base? Shop base. Yeah, Shop Base. Yeah, and so a uh, handful of shops, you guys included, uh, you guys will be getting, you know, a batch of baits every month. Uh, the the mo- color of the month, you know, an elusive, or not like elusive, uh, however you want to say it, uh, color that, that only certain shops will be getting, and they'll have a certain number of those. So if you guys are wanting a wake walker, keep your eye out for, it would be, did, was the last one August, or was that July? Yeah, yeah, the last one was August, so next one's okay, going to okay. be September. So, so. September, yeah, cool. Yeah. So yeah, keep your guys' eye out for September and uh, all the all these shops. Obviously, we'll be getting all those baits. And if you follow Kyle, Kyle posts about that all the time. But um, one thing I wanted to to bring up that was super cool about uh, about the shop down there, and I I've not been down there. This is just from what I've seen and stuff. You guys have a fish tank like in the middle of the shop, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's not quite like a Bass Pro fish tank, but we've got a little bass in there. Uh, so like I said earlier, we stock ponds, the parent company stocks ponds, and we put this little like fingerling largemouth in there, and he's probably near nearing three quarters of a pound, uh, right smack dab in the middle of the shop, and it's super awesome. His name's Clark. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you're following us on like our story on Instagram and Facebook, I post about Clark all the time. He's a little, he's a little meanie, man. He munches those minnows when we put him in there. That's so awesome, dude. That's something that that you don't really see when you when you walk into a normal tackle shop if it's not a big name one. And then another thing that you guys, um, I remember seeing a couple months ago on YouTube. I don't know if it was the Guggen Squad or if it was John B or somebody, but you guys have that big, you know, almost cafeteria style. Yeah, like the bar. plastic. Yeah, dude, the worm bar. Uh, so what's what's awesome about the worm bar is like it used to be huge. Like I guess when my father slash grandparents were like fishing, like as kids, almost you mm-hmm. walk into a tackle store and they've got bulk plastic everywhere. Um, John B actually doesn't live too far and the Guggen HQ isn't too far away. So they stocked their tank with our fish and the worm bar dude. It, I can't even tell you how many different plastics are on that from like soft body swim baits to craws to Senkos to trick worms, like ribbon tails, you name it. Damn, dude, that's so awesome! And it's like it's like ninety nine cents an ounce, right? I think that's what you, I saw you post today. Yeah, ninety nine cents an ounce. It's awesome, dude. That I mean, that's so badass to see. How often do guys come in and just fill up, you know, like a pound Ziploc bag of baits? Is that something that's pretty frequently? Frequently? Oh, dude, it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the foot traffic where we are, where where we're at, isn't actually super heavy. I'll be honest, but the people that do come, they load up like. I've had, I think the biggest amount that I've ever had someone buy from the worm bar was nearing like four and a half pounds. Holy crap. Was that all one bait? No, no. It was like, like, I mean, they fill up one whole bag of one thing, a whole bag of 
like swim baits, old bag of Senkos. And of course we have different colors too. I mean, it's not just like one color Senko and yeah. you know, one color cross. So no, it's, it's, it's so nice to have that as like a destination spot to cater to people that come. Cause we don't sell them online. Like people used to buy like pounds and pounds of stuff and it would just be super in it, like super expensive to ship it. And we basically lose money on those, those guys. So it's an in-store only thing. So if you do, Stop by the shop. Definitely check it out. Yeah, dude, that's 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 so cool. It's like it's that old time thing that nobody else does anymore, and it's just cool to see that that's still around. I guess is kind of the way to go about that. Yeah, I think when you walk into the so we actually have two buildings. What's what's very interesting is soft plastics are all in one building, uh, and that just kind of gives you a scope of like how big and how much tackle we have. One building is entirely dedicated to soft plastics and the worm bar. The other building, the main building is what we call it, is where the rods, reels, and hard baits are, uh, along with like accessories and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's so much to keep up with as well. Yeah, dude. I mean, that sounds so badass. Uh, crap. So how long has, has Lake Pro Tackle been around? Like, do you remember going there when you were younger, like in high school and stuff? Or is it a pretty new establishment and building? So that, that's actually a great question. Lake Pro Tackle, the tackle shop, uh, has only been around for around, I think, seven and a half, eight years. So not super long. Um, and I actually had no idea it was there up until about a year and a half ago, uh, to be quite frank with you. Like it was, it was really such a surreal thing uh, going up there with, with a buddy of mine. And I was like, I didn't know, I didn't know this place existed. Yeah. Dang, dude. I, you know, up here you have tackle shops and, you know, it's either Cabela's or Bass Pro. There's only one of, there's only one, two Cabela's, I guess, but you know, it's in the Southern part of the state, you know, up Mm -hmm. North, it's a lot of small mom and pop shops, but up here, bass fishing isn't catered to like down South or a lot of other States. It's all trout fishing stuff. So if I was, if I was ever buying anything, you know, good 60% chance it was always off tackle warehouse and other sites. And then you have to wait because you live in the middle of BFE. So it takes four or five days to get to you. <laughs> it was such a pain in the butt. Yep. Yep. And, uh, I mean, we, we pride ourselves on pretty fast shipping. Like I think anywhere you're at in the country, it might be like max three days. We're all doing like priority and stuff like that. So yeah, we, we've got a good selection. So I think you ought to stop on by at some point. Yeah, dude. Uh, if if the if the gathering down on Fork is happening again Ooh. next year, we'll definitely I'll definitely have to swing in and stop by. Yeah, holler at me. You can. I've got an extra room here, so let oh, me know. Heck dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, that's so awesome. So, trying to think if there's anything else that I, I had in mind. Um. Uh oh. So since since uh obviously scales and tails and Lake Pro Tackle are, are doing ads and stuff. Uh, we're also kind of trying to to kind of get some more garage baits in your guys' mm-hmm. doors for people to buy and kind of uh, load up the site with with stuff that you know isn't necessarily production and and more so that stuff that maybe isn't hard to get but more limited you know limited edition limited drops that these builders do. So yeah. I think you guys having having the throwback stuff like that stuff went by so fast and I'm sure there's other bait builders that. Uh, We'll, we'll be in there in the future and i can't imagine that their stuff will last any longer absolutely um funny that you say that i guess when this video goes live it'll be 
X amount of days in, in you know, in, in the past, but today actually I put in an order for some OG glides and darters from clutch. And then we Heck should yeah. have some Leviathan rods on the way. So if they're ever sold out on their website, we should probably have some. Heck yeah, dude. I mean, you can't be, what are you probably like two and a half, three hours from dripping Springs? Ooh, um, probably a little more dripping okay. Springs is down by Austin, right? Yeah, I think it's about... Oh, it's probably like four hours. Okay, yeah. never. So not crazy close, but that's that's where Leviathan's out of. So yep. not too far from you guys, but still a little trek to get down there in that, in that yeah. general area. Well, I mean, it takes, I mean, 13 hours to get across Texas anyway. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's four hours? <laughs> yeah, dude, exactly. And it's funny, like I was, we drive to Virginia for the gathering, and I mean, that's a... Uh, 13 hour drive and it really isn't that bad but we we looked at i was like oh well we could drive to texas but i'm like but lake fork's pretty far down so i don't know yeah and i looked at it and it was like 18 hours which isn't bad we thought about it and yeah. then i'm like no nah, we'll just fly <laughs> I, I think driving anything so like previous jobs that i've had i've had to drive like countless hours like i i think other than sleeping driving takes up most of my time out of like my life um so when i look at a drive i think to me now like 12 hours isn't bad at all once you get into the like the 18 i i'm definitely flying there's no way yeah yeah that's um yeah once you get past like 16 or 17 that's where it's like okay you know like 12 hours you could do that by yourself you know pop pop mm-hmm. on some tails and tails listen to a couple episodes six or seven episodes you're good to go but after you know that that 16 hour mark it's like man you need two people really then you got to factor in stops and stuff so it'd probably be more like 17 17 and a half it's like right yeah it's gas with the price ah, we'll just fly for 300 dollars and call it a day and yeah. be there in an hour <laughs> yeah it's kind of how it was for icast i was like do i want to drive uh like 14 hours or do i just want to spend the well actually I'll, i didn't spend any money on it but do i want to make the company spend yeah. money on a flight to icast yeah, what was uh? That, that's a good thing to kind of talk about. What was ICAST like this year? I mean, obviously everybody knows the controversy controversy that went on down there. But mm-hmm. other than that, was there a lot of cool stuff? Did you see stuff that maybe wasn't getting media attention that you thought was cool? Whether it would be whether it was baits or gear or anything like that. So everyone actually asks me that. Um, this is I think this was my fourth or fifth ICAST. I think it was my fifth one. Um, so I've been going quite a while. Uh, this one specifically, I'll be honest though. I didn't have any time to look around. I think out of the, I don't know, couple, I don't know, 2,000 boosts, I don't know how many boosts were there, but out of X amount of boosts, I probably only went to and looked at maybe 60% of them, like maybe. Damn. Um, so like my job, going, tying this into my job, so I'm doing like all the marketing and brand development. So if you're following us on YouTube, which I highly recommend you do, um, I do like all the video work I do, you know, pumping out content on socials, uh, making sure we're like strategically buying. So we're not holding on to inventory for like super long. So I had meetings and scheduled like video shoots with all these different, different companies, especially like the big companies, just because we're doing higher volumes in that. So, I mean, I've got to push it at some point to get it out of there. Um, so I didn't have like any time dude, to look around. Uh, and of course, like I kept up with everything that was going on in the world of swim baits and all that. Um, I actually got to talk to, talk with uh, Ben Kohler from the hookup 
like super respectable guy, super dope to talk to. Um, and <laughs> he was pretty funny, like keeping up with this story and stuff. Like I'd almost like kind of trail him where he went. Yeah. Um, like he was really funny. Like I, I saw the flag sitting in the Berkeley booth and all that. Um, so I thought, I mean, I cast sum it up. I don't really remember it to be honest. Cause everything went by so fast, like three days, just like that. And I was like, man, looking back on it, I'm like, shoot, I missed out on so much stuff, but geek rack, that was probably the biggest thing. That was probably one of my favorite booths to go to. Um, talking with the guys there, trying to get it in the shop. We actually just sent in our credit app for that. So we should have those on order very, very soon. Dude, that's so funny. When I texted you that question today, I almost asked if you guys had or were going to have uh, G-Crack. I, I mean, dude, their stuff is so cool. It's it's like kind of out of left field. There's nothing else like it. But, I mean, mm-hmm. Marshall catches so many fish on the bug pee, on the... Um, yep the bellows gill on the uh, mushy bug. Like it's there's stuff yeah. that's just one of a kind. Yeah. And the new bellows shad too. I think it's yeah. a little more, uh, I guess, user-friendly profile uh, when it comes down to it. And it's funny cause I listened to your Marshall podcast a couple days ago and I was like, you know, we better get these in, like kind of step it up. Yeah. I, I really don't think there's many places that carry them. I mean, obviously tackle warehouse, but outside of that, the hookup mm. tackle and really, I mean, yeah, that's... you'd be surprised though. A lot of the tackle stores here in Texas don't actually sell online for whatever reason. And I think that's why we're having uh, as much success as we're having right now. Um, because a lot of them do carry it. A lot of them just don't sell online. Mm. So, hey. I mean, unless you're going to those tackle shops, you'd never know. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder what their, uh, their planned approach with that is. Um, a lot of them are like boat dealerships. So oh, yeah, like uh, what's that traffic? Brand? No matter what, like Fun and Sun. Fun and Sun, yeah. Yeah, Fun and Sun's the biggest like skeeter dealership down here, uh, and they've got they've got a pretty good tackle store. Um, I've talked to some of the uh, like manager guys and heard some of their concerns with inventory, not to put them under the bus or anything, but they have a huge selection. Like they probably have every skew of Zoom, Berkeley, like everything dot like everything you could think of under the sun that i mean that's crazy man that's absolutely wild i had a question pop up in my head and i should have wrote it down i cannot remember for the life of me what it was uh, it was about the shop um the shop. i think it was about tack or i think it was about iCast. oh uh no man I'm really thinking about it now, and if now it's not going to come to <laughs> Oh, I will give you a little backstory, too, on the shop. So, yeah, there we go. Maybe, maybe I'll think of it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So the shop, Lake Pro Tackle itself, um, it's really run by myself and Tim. Uh, Tim Metcalf, he, he's retired 30 years out of the Army, um, but he's working at the shop just to have fishing money, basically. Uh, great dude. Uh, and it, it's really just us. Like he's the tackle store manager. I do all the brand development and marketing and we do have some high school slash college help come in seasonally, which is really great, but it's, it's a really small team at Lake Pro when we're trying to put out, you know, huge volume of stuff out there and just tagging and bagging and packing and all that. That's a little backstory about us. You know, it's myself, Tim, uh, and really two or three sometimes uh helpers during the season so <clears throat> that's kind of like pro tackle in a nutshell so everything that you're getting guys it's one of the three four of us packing your order 
dang, dude. So yeah, you guys are real kind of like that that family oriented small small business where you guys are you know doing everything, filling the filling the online orders. You know, you're making all the videos and and posting stuff for Instagram while checking people out and stuff like that. I mean, that that's oh, pretty yeah. crazy. Absolutely, I'll be. It's so funny too because like. I, I film like in the middle of the floor, kind of like in the middle of the rod area. And like people will come in, like I'll just keep talking. They, and, and they almost just watch me like it's a seminar. And it's kind of like such a funny thing because I'm staring at the camera and I kind of want to look at them because they're like they're intently listening to me. I'm like, this is so like, do I look at you? Do I look at the camera? <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. I have that, that question I had still not coming to me. So I guess if it comes up later, I'll bring it up whenever whenever I have the chance. But I guess we'll kind of start talking about you and kind of your story on how you got into fishing and and kind of where you're at today. So how did your how did your beginning to this uh, the journey before Lake Pro Tackle and before you were super into it like you are now? Where did that start for you? So this is, this is actually a pretty wild story. Um... So my dad used to be a uh, minister for, for a church and we, we, we would move around here and there. So like I used to live in Kansas City, we moved to Texas, then we moved to California. So this is kind of where everything starts in California in 2007. So I kind of knew, so I was born in 99, so I'm almost 24 now. So basically when I was like seven, um, we moved to California and I had zero idea what a bass was like i think my dad took me catfishing slash like bluegill fishing with like beans and like bread and corn and all this um when we used to live in texas moved to california so i kind of had an idea about fishing but i was i I for sure was like at that age where like i didn't really care like i just want to go play outside or something um not not in the fishing stuff so in california we didn't have much water so that kind of went away. Like when I visited relatives in Texas, like I'd see a pond and I was like, oh, I remember fishing, you know, the, just the tug of the line, like kind of stuck in my mind at that point. Um, nearing like 2013, um, my dad had finished like rebuilding the church and stuff in California. And we moved back to Texas uh, due to some like family stuff, just moving back here. Uh, to be close to family and he took me my dad took me and my cousin to the texas parks and wildlife center in athens texas mm-hmm. and if you don't know the texas parks and wildlife center does all the like hatching of like the lone star bass like they get all the share lunkers in yeah. that you see yeah. coming out of like ivy and stuff like that um they've got like a pond that they stock or a couple ponds that they stock there and you can go fishing and stuff and of course bass fishing is huge in texas and it was huge in California too, but I just wasn't exposed to that, um, that side of things. Like I know the big swim bait movement and stuff was kicking strong in 2007. I just had no idea, you know, flew over my head under the radar, whatever. Um, but I think it really kicked off at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Center fishing for fishing for trout. And I could see bass. I just couldn't catch them. Uh, I wasn't smart enough yet to trick them, you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah. So like I caught trout there cause we were there in the wintertime for Christmas um and i was catching trout and i was like man these fish are smart and i almost had to like outthink the fish as you do in bass fishing so i think that really kicked off my drive to fishing almost whereas like man i can outsmart this fish and that was just fun to me i think um and then moving forward a little bit 2015 uh that was the first time i really 
dove into bass fishing. So being a sophomore in high school um, in 2015, it was insane. So like, of course, the, the Googans blew up and I got into that. You know, John B., dude, I've watched him since like he was beginning, basically. Uh, and just that whole fishing YouTube side, which is like a whole nother story of everything. But I fished on the high school team. I sucked. I was pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> my, my junior year, actually, uh, that's when I started. And getting into bass fishing, you know, throwing Senkos at ponds, um, you know, fishing a chatterbait. Uh, like I could throw a popper. And that was about it. Like that's all I really knew. And all of a sudden, moving past high school, I graduate um did the fishing team that was fun and then i decided so this is kind of where like i look back on it um where my life could have gone basically i could have gone to texas christian university like focused on business marketing and like all that stuff um or i could have gone to tarleton state university and what i really wanted to do at the time was fish and i reached out to the tcu team didn't get like any response or whatever um, so like last moment I switched to Tarleton and fished on their team for three, uh, basically like three and a half years. And that's kind of where my journey like kicked off in the fishing industry. And I really like hit it, like feet on the ground running. Um, and that's kind of how I got into like the whole fishing stuff. So it's been crazy so far. Yeah, dude. I mean, that sounds like a pretty solid, you know, bring up and, uh, so I assume you went to college for, for business and stuff? Yes, absolutely. Yep, I got my uh, MBA or, uh, yeah, MBA in, uh, in marketing. So uh, that's, that's what I did at Tarleton and uh, fished on the collegiate fishing team for three and a half years, basically. Um, and that, that was a whole lot of fun traveling the country with uh, a couple different people throughout my time there. But probably the most fun I had was with uh, uh, my buddy Caden Tanner. He... He almost made the Elite Series in the Opens last year, but now he's going to vet school at Tech. So, super awesome time. That's legit, dude. So, you were in college, what, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021? Yes. Yep. So, you were around when, uh, when like, Nolan Miner was in West Virginia and everybody, and yep. everybody was fishing uh, the mag drafts and stuff. Yeah, I was fishing against Cody Huff. I was fishing against like Trevor McKinney, um, like all these powerhouses that you see now. Uh, my buddy Drew Gill, like we travel around to tournaments and stay like right next to him at hotels. Oddly enough, like every single time we'd go somewhere and like not planned at all. Um, so he almost won AOI this year for the Invitationals, like or Rookie of the Year for Invitationals, which is absolutely insane. Great fisherman. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, going up against them, you get humbled pretty dang quick after a couple tournaments of them whooping your butt. And I was like, man, competitive fishing isn't for me. I'm going to focus on selling tackle to these guys. Cause I'll buy it, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> I'll make money that way. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. That was like, you were, you were in college and fishing on that level when there were some hammers that was like, I mean, Adrian is still really good, but Adrian college, Bethel. Mm -hmm. Uh, West Virginia, you know, there, there were some yep. really solid guys in those, in those couple of years and that like six year stretch from, you know, well, even from like 2016, all the way up to like 2020, 2021, oh, yeah. like, like I know Bethel and McKendry were, were crazy back when I was 
like in college fishing, but now like uh, Carson Newman and like Montevello. I mean, they're killing it right now. Auburn with Logan Parks and Tucker Smith. Yeah, yeah, dude. They're. I mean, it's it's crazy how big college fishing has got because. Um, Adrian College is a business school right on the southern border of Michigan and Indiana, I think. Yes. Um, and and they, I mean, their first year they were just kicking ass. They they went down to uh, Kentucky Lake and beat Bethel down there, and that was like the big thing that that started like a a major you know hellacious rival rivalry between those two schools for like the next two or three years after that. And I remember just seeing all this stuff. I was only, you know, a sophomore, junior in in high school, and I just remember, you know, going, going and checking out all these guys' Instagram pages, and they were just, you know, bad mouthing everybody. Oh, we, you know, we <laughs> yeah. drove, we drove thirteen and a half hours, and we kicked butt on their home lake, and all this and all that. And I was just like, dang, that that is crazy. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And uh, my time in college too. I mean, I did work with a couple different companies, which I'm super blessed for those opportunities. Um, I definitely want to shout them out. Like biggest one, Yolo Tech. They oh, yeah. have the powered GoPro mask that you put in the back of the boat, like nap light port powers mm-hmm. your GoPro for however long your cranking battery lasts. Basically, um, like Tacticam, they do mainly hunting cameras, but for a little bit they had us test out like a fishing camera. Um, and working with those companies, man, that really kicked off my drive for like marketing and like digital media and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's so sick. The just the level that college brings to guys, you know, before they make it to, you know, get to the opens and the elites or the MLF or mm-hmm. just whatever, or just kind of it pulls you out of your shell. We didn't have a high school fishing team, so I never got to experience anything like that. But I know kids, you know, kids from my class and, and really good friends who went and fished collegiate and he's like you know, it is just a different world. Like, it's a crazy good introduction to the world of, of competitive bass fishing. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I mean, if you're not in college right now and you're looking for college, I mean, there's, like, three different trails that you can run, Bassmaster, Major League Fishing, and Collegiate Bass. And they all set up different, not different style tournaments, but different, uh, like, environments that you can fish in when it comes down to it. I always felt like, Collegiate Bass was much more relaxed. They don't have entry fees for their tournaments, which is super awesome. Absolutely love the guys over there. Um, Bassmaster, it was hot and heavy, dude. Like, Bassmaster tournaments, you better bring your A game or you're going to get crushed. And MLF was kind of like somewhere in the middle-ish where it was like, oh, it's a, it's a one-day tournament. There's not too much stress. You better catch them one, in one day. So they all bring different levels of intensity for sure. So... And in college fishing in general, I mean, it's blown up so much in the past couple of years. Being able to be a part of its big surge, I, I think, was such a blessing to be be a part of and kind of watch what it's becoming. Yeah, I, that was going to be the one reason I wanted to go to school was just to fish. And then I'm like, no, I can't do that. I was going to go for construction management. And I was like, oh, no, like I'll give it a gap year. And then I got a really good job. And it's like, oh, okay, well. I guess I don't need to competitively fish that bad. I'll just fish Wednesday nighters. <laughs> Absolutely. Nothing wrong with some Wednesday nighters. No, man. But uh, so when you were in college, did you have any experience with swim baits? Like I said, that was like when the when the mag drafts were hard to get, everybody on the collegiate level was fishing them for kicker fish. Did you have any experience with them or did you see guys with, with big swim baits on their oh. decks? Or did you, were you one of those guys maybe even? 
No, I wasn't one of those guys. So like I kind of had like, so I don't, I don't, I didn't own a boat in high school or college and I just got, I just built a boat basically um, like a year and a half ago. So I didn't try it out in that time. Like I think I bought a mag draft um, somewhere in like the middle of like Arkansas uh, at some random tackle shop. And I think I had it in my box, never threw it. I did write this down on like a note. The first swim bait that I bought was like a trout colored um, S waver, river to sea S waver. I think it was at the 165 or whatever that medium size is. 168. Yeah, it was that one. And it sat in my box from, I think I bought it in at the end of high school, basically, because I worked at Bass Pro Shops as well. Um, I bought it at Bass Pro and I didn't, I threw it a couple times and I didn't even catch a fish on it until probably junior year of college, like crazy enough. Um, and then in that time, I bought some more swim baits and stuff, but it took me like three years to catch a fish on an S waiver. And I think that's kind of where um it clicked for me because i still at that point wasn't into the whole swim bait thing like it was just getting on a one day one day that bike kicked off and i was like all right this is this is fun <laughs> so i'm gonna dive in it some more so yeah i mean i i definitely didn't fish swim baits through college really like i just started getting into it now that i have a boat i can get around a little bit easier and uh definitely target those fish with the swim bait yeah, yeah, it uh and and being a college guy, I mean, <clears throat> unless you know, you're getting them sent to your or your college is working with a tackle shop like, you know, it's it's hard to travel around and, and do all that stuff and and buy conventional stuff as well as, you know, spending $30 on one bait that that you like you said you might not ever fish in the collegiate series. So it's like, oh man, you know, I could have bought six packs of flatworms or robo worms <laughs> or something like that. Dude. That reminds me too. Flatworms, when those first came out from Berkeley, oh my gosh. So working at Bass Pro is such a blessing for smallmouth tournaments because I could buy them right as they went up on the peg and I could go fish smallmouth tournaments with flatworms. And I could have flipped those suckers, like one pack of flatworms for like $30. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> that was crazy. Absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was, that was what a time that was like, that was when you could not find those. And like you said, people were on eBay and on Facebook selling them for a lot. They didn't care what color they were. They yeah. just wanted them. Yeah. Now I've probably got like 50 bags of flatworms sitting in my car. So if anyone wants some, just hit me up. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. I, I never got into the flatworms. We were always like when we would drop shot the pier heads and stuff on Lake Michigan, it was yeah. always a robo worm, robo worm and Aaron's hey. ma or what is Aaron's magic. I yeah. Think. Aaron's magic. Yeah. yeah. Or Aaron's morning dawn or I, yeah, whatever, whatever his color named after him is. That was, that was what color we always used. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I will get into this a little later, but robo worms, man, those are, those are great. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you're in college and you're fishing these tournaments and stuff. Uh, did you, I can't remember if you said it, did you ever see anybody with, with mag drafts and stuff tied on, or did you ever hear oh, yeah. people catching big fish with mag drafts and stuff? I did a little bit. I think I tuned it out. Like, I think I was so focused on what I knew we could catch fish on instead of trying to expand. Like I knew like fishing a tournament at Bull Shoals. Um, I think the winners caught some of their biggest ones on like a mag draft and 
at that time, like, I think the exposure in Texas wasn't, like, or especially, the, I guess it was the people around me weren't, like, into it, so I didn't get into it. I didn't feel a need to, but, I mean, I heard it a little bit. I still wasn't in that, like, swim bait scene, you know, once you get in the door, you're like, oh, you hear everything, but I don't think I was there yet, you know? Yeah, it uh, it's it's something that, it's a really big hill, and until you crest over the top, you don't uh, you don't really dive into it, I guess, or you don't become uh, like infatuated with it. Like it's something that you have to see, hear about, and kind of maybe not necessarily get pushed up the hill, but but there's got to be a reason for you to walk up it. Like you got to see somebody, you know, in the boat a hundred yards down the bank catch a big fish on a mag draft or something, or you know, a personal yep. experience, you're like, oh man, like I, I need to look into this sort of thing. Absolutely. And I mean, given credit where credit's due, like tactical bassing guys, yeah, that this wave were in like mag draft videos back then. I say back then, it was only a couple years ago, but y- you know, like watching that, like it definitely kind of sparked an interest, but it was still like, I can catch fish on so many other baits that are much more consistent because I'm not good enough to go out there graph these areas like i don't have a lot of time to graph these areas in tournament situations so there's no need for me to try to force a bite almost with 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 the swim bait yeah and and speaking of graphs you were in college around like the last couple years that uh forward facing sonar you know wasn't the standard either so like it was still 360 and and side imaging and down imaging and stuff that was was the major thing back back then like you said it's only a couple years ago but back then yeah, back then, yeah. Um, I think forward-facing sonar, so I guess if you kept up with a lot of the college stuff, uh, Cody Huff and uh, Dakota, they when they fished the Toledo Bend tournament for Bassmaster, I think it was 20, 2019, I believe, um, they won the college circuit there, and then Cody turned around the next week and won the, I think it was an MLF event there, um smashed them i think it was like a toyota series or something smashed them there on forward facing sonar and uh i mean freshman and sophomore year for me basically like what is what is life scope what i mean you know like no yeah. one knew about it and all of a sudden he kicks our teeth in uh on for on this forward facing sonar thing with a like a slab spoon uh so that's that's when it like kicked off everything starts going um Caden had to get the forward facing sonar on, on his boat to compete. Basically, uh, especially now, it's now more than ever. Like if you're not scoping, you're hoping is I, I guess what they say. Um, but no, that's insane. Just kind of looking back on that for sure. Yeah, it uh, it's interesting how fast it it had taken off. Um, do you guys have electronics at the store or no? Actually, funny you mentioned that today. Our um, our person that does the ordering for electronics like trolling motors and stuff we're getting some garmin in so uh we'll be getting some strikers uh some echo map uhd2s and echo map ultras and stuff like that as well as like life scope stuff so yeah we're we're gonna be getting those in here very soon heck yeah dude perfect timing on that question there <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh hold on, let me let me look through the questions here um so college after you left college um, you, you had mentioned you had a different job and stuff. Did the fishing stay with you or did you kind of have that job and realize like, Oh, you know, I have, you know, quote unquote, big boy bunny now. So I can, I can start diving into other styles of, of bass fishing. 
Oh, trust me, man. I, I don't have big boy money yet. So, <laughs> um, no. So, uh, what's funny, uh, I did mention this that I worked at Bass Pro. So, I worked at Bass Pro um, my senior after summer after senior year of high school. Um, so I worked there like three years, three and a half years. So, I worked there um, senior year, uh, freshman year, and sophomore year of college. Uh, so, I was in the fishing scene. I never left the fishing scene. Um, so I was always talking about it, always in it, trying to sell stuff. Um, and a lot of my background would be sales. Um, so my other job slash jobs, a, a big one was with Yolo tech, um, mm. Christian, the owner, he would have me, uh, go out with him to either like red crest, um, Bassmaster classic stuff, fishing conventions. And I would work the Yolo tech booth, um, because I would, even though I, I didn't have a boat, he was so kind to, he saw like I had my Tacticam deal where I got a camera and I was like, I, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I'm not going to put it on a dash, you know, ruin the dash. So uh, he, he was so kind to um, help, help me out with like a Yolo Tech power stick. And I was able to get content from all my college stuff. And you can check that out, out on my channel if you want. Uh, they're really terrible videos. I'll be honest. Some of them are okay. Um, but most of them are pretty terrible, uh, just on my part. But you know, I was always in the fishing scene. Um, Yola Tech was a huge help getting me connections. Um, and we'd go out to all the pro tournaments, like the Bass Pro Tour when it kicked off in the uh, Elite Series. So I got to meet all the anglers, work on their boats. Like we'd um, replace ports and stuff. We'd basically rig them up with whatever they needed to go on the water. And I made a ton of connections from that. So that's, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest drives for me. Um, and something that I am thankful for every day that he gave me that opportunity, uh, to do. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. That definitely gets a foot into, um, into the, like the business side of things and in making connections, because that's like what I, I had always heard, but I didn't really know until I started talking to people. Like if you meet one guy and you know, you're friends with them and, and you start talking, you start to realize that like everybody kind of knows about everybody like everybody's got each other's contact info and stuff like that yep. and it is not hard to get a hold of somebody if you know a couple people absolutely um and you learn that more than ever at like icast too because everyone's in one building so it's like oh i saw so and so over here like blah 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 blah. like oh who's that oh this is i'll introduce you uh like i think from i i, I like to say i have like a very broad um view on a lot of things and like the fishing industry itself isn't that big. Like, of course we have large vast amounts of products that are worth tons of money, but we're real, we're such a small industry. Uh, and everyone is so close. Like, I mean, like you said, a couple phone calls and I mean, you'll get in contact with who you need to get in contact to. Yeah. People don't, uh, realize how, how small it actually is. And, and you look at ICAST and you see all these people and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's so big, but you know, it's, you know, it's, it's probably 10 or, uh, you know, a dozen or so big companies. And then it's just a bunch of smaller yes. companies. And that's why everybody knows everybody's because it is, you know, n not necessarily small, quote unquote, small, but smaller companies and, and just, you know, people talk and everybody knows each other, I guess, really. And a lot of people too, like once you're in the industry, I feel like you don't really want to leave the industry. So a lot of people, um, like I'll take the sunglasses people, for example, like Costa, when Costa sold out 
Um, a lot of the Costa guys split off into all your new sunglasses companies like Bahio, Fenor, uh, like Hobie Eyewear, like all these Costa guys just split off and basically like helped start new sunglasses companies. Um, and that's one thing that I'll note on too, like your big companies like Rather Outdoors, which is Strike King Lose, to name the two major ones, Pure Fishing, of course, like Berkeley Abu. Uh, and there's so, there's so many more out there, like um, GSM, if you don't know, they own Yamamoto, Big Bite Baits Now, Buckeye, uh, Lures. Uh, there, there's so many more. Like, I almost wish that fishing companies um, or, like, brand companies wouldn't do that, like, at, to a certain point. Like, I guess it makes sense for their model, but I like having independent companies to talk to instead of just doing one big company thing yeah it um and that's like people don't realize that like guggen's under a, a big umbrella of of companies and like same with mm-hmm. tackle warehouse and all these other places like you see them as as their own place but there's a bigger parent company behind them and and you think you know tackle warehouse is so huge but there's even a bigger company that that has you know eight or nine other places like tackle warehouse under that umbrella and that's super crazy to think about yeah we're we're a little fish in a big pond for sure yeah and yeah like i said that's why you know if if you you know whatever you do if you leave a bad impression with somebody it's not hard for people to talk and be like oh you know so and so did this you know cheated in a tournament or you know just Mm -hmm. just whatever it may be like word travels fast too oh absolutely yeah, but um, let me look at the questions here. Kind of get into the fishing side of things. Uh, okay, so so you had um that S Weaver one sixty eight, and after after a couple of years of riding shotgun in your in your tackle box, you finally pulled it out and caught some fish on it. What was that day like for you? What what did it kind of set up like, and what made you think to to fish a glide bait? So um, I'll be honest, I definitely didn't fish it probably the way you're supposed to fish it. Um, but I was, I was at like a pretty big, uh, pretty big pond slash like little lake near the school. Um, it was like a private place, but the guy, one of the, one of the, uh, I guess custodial guys slash like guys who manages one of the lake or manages the pond. Um, he was super cool. And I was helping, helping him with some like biology stuff and like taught him a little bit about what I knew about fishing and, Sorry if you hear like thunder and stuff. It just started raining for the first good, time man. in like a couple months. Yeah, um, 175 degrees down there. <laughs> yeah, for sure, literally. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm out there. It's like a hot spring day, I guess, kind of like later April, May-ish. Uh, grass is starting to grow up. And I've been catching a ton of bedfish, um, pretty shallow. I think this year the water was going down quite a bit I, I talk about it like it's a lake and i'm patterning it but you know it's a big pond um but the water's going down i'm like all right these fish have to be pushing off a little bit and there's some grass lines so i take that uh take that s waiver out and i find a grass line and now i am burning that sucker like it, it's darting left right left right left right as fast as i can possibly get it without it blowing out and i probably caught like in this pond i probably caught near 32 pounds of fish on on that one bait um and all of them i'm guessing were pretty close to bed or wanted to chase it out just instinctually ate it and i was like man this has like 
so much draw power to it. Cause I always knew like, you know, you throw bigger baits can have bigger draw. Um, you throw a bait with less, you know, less bold colors. It's going to have, uh, less draw, bolder colors can have more draw, more attention. Um, but it was just one of those light trout patterns. So it fit very well in the clear water. Um, and that was my first experience with like a bigger glide bait. And I mean, I don't consider it big anymore, but to me back then a 168 was like insanely massive. <laughs> Like I barely had a rod to throw it to. So that's kind of how I got started um, on, on that big, big bite thing. Yeah. It, it always seems like guys will, you know, go out and, you know, I mean, essentially kind of luck into a bite. Cause, cause you know, you're not really sure what you're doing, but you just so happen to to fishing on a good day and you just, you know, smash a bunch of fish or smash a couple big fish. And then that's just, that's just when the bugs planted. Like it's, it's hard to, to not go out the next day or the next trip and be like, Oh my gosh, I need to fish this glide bait. Cause I just had an absolute crazy day. You know, last week here, I need to, I need to replicate that every time I go out and then, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't happen and you fall down that rabbit hole. Oh, I should just start buying all these new baits. So you buy all these <laughs> new baits and you know, one out of every five trips, you have a crazy good trip again. So you just keep fueling that addiction and just keep spending money on baits, you know, and one out of every five or something that you're actually going to fish more than once and not just sit in your box type oh, thing. Absolutely. It, it was so bad because I think the week after that happened, I probably had a couple, two, like S Waver 200, some more 168s. And I think I bought a couple HUD swim baits. Um, and at that time, I think I had like an Osprey in my box. Um, bought a couple like HUD 86 or 68s. I was like, oh gosh, what is going on, dude? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, once it starts, it's kind of hard to stop until, you know, you have a reality check or, you know, you're buying all these production baits and then you stumble upon like garage made baits, limited, yeah. limited baits. And you're like, oh my gosh, I need to start buying these instead. So you're not buying as much, but you're buying just as many baits. Like it's, yeah, it's, for sure. Uh, it's a constant battle. Yeah. I, cause going, I mean, going, moving forward a little bit, just out of college, I bought a, um, cater hog hog father. Mm. Um, and that, that to me, like, I mean, what are they like? 175, 200 bucks or something. Yeah. Um, something like that. They, they were available. And I was like, screw it i'm just gonna buy this thing so i bought it and it sat in my box um probably for probably near half a year before i built built the boat that i have now um and when spring rolled around i crushed them on it and i was like okay so like i got the cadence down like i you know pitch it out there maybe five ten feet watch it come in and just really get the really like and, and going on like learning stuff i didn't really watch videos for like the swim bait stuff i really like one afternoon i figured out like how to fish with my wrist fish with the rod like the whole rod or just the tip you know work on my twitches work on like half cranks and all all this like little cadence stuff that you can do um and it i mean it took me probably two trips of them really eating it you know because once you get on fish and you're in your in your catching that's really when you exponentially like learn so much about how they eat like do i need a real pause twitch or twitch twitch pause or you know every everything that that's involved with the learning curve with swim baits i learned it all in like not all i said definitely not all um but i learned like the majority of what i needed to know 
with that um, with that tater hog and basically like two trips when they were spawning real good on like a stretch of bank um, and then took that what I knew then and then applied it to like post spawn and like summer bites. Yeah. By chance, did you watch uh, Zaldane's Lake Fork video? And is that why you got the tater hog? Uh, I believe so. I 100% would say that's probably why I got it. And that's a hell of a marketing video because, I mean, that video is just so well put together. You know, it it is literally depicting the best time to fish that style bait, like with the shad spawn. And it, I mean... It's just an awesome marketing video for, for Tater Hog because that bait, I mean, it's so beat to crap. He goes, what's he go through, like two or three of them because he keeps breaking them oh, off. And oh, stuff. yeah. Yep, yep. And, I mean, the pink's just busted off. Like, mine's yeah. nowhere near that, and I've probably caught, I don't even know, a couple uh, 50-ish fish on it, and, I mean, it's still going strong. So I can't even imagine the amount of fish that he's catching on that thing. Yeah, dude, absolutely absolutely insane and he's i mean like i said fishing it literally the best time ever he's talking about how how shad are, are trying to are, are trying to reproduce with his bait while he's reeling it in yeah. he's like, <laughs> like dude that is just absolutely crazy that video is probably one of the best swim bait videos out there other than tactical like as far as like entertainment stuff i think that's probably oh, yeah. the most entertaining swim bait video out there 100% agree with that. I mean, I, well, I don't know. Have you seen the, uh, the working class 017 video? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that, but I, th- I think I resonate a little more with Zaldane. Yeah. Like he, he's from Fort Worth here and I, I see him at boat shows and I see him everywhere. Really. Right. If I travel around, um, I usually see him. So, uh, I definitely resonate a little more with his stuff, but yeah. yeah I mean. and, and Mike's stuff at Working Class Zero is more of kind of that entertainment, but it's also more of a teaching thing, whereas Zaldane's is kind of more geared towards that entertainment side of stuff. And it's, yeah. it's freaking entertaining, man. Like I said, I've watched that video probably five or six times, honestly, off the top of my head, like within the last oh, year yeah. and a half. Oh, yeah. I'm probably going to watch it tonight after we get off here. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And that's like, that was when he was fishing, I mean, what was that, 2020, I think, maybe? That's when he was fishing Megabass still, and that was, yep. you know, I don't think, I don't think that uh, they've set up on that lake since then from from what he's posted and in, in kind of the lack of, of Lake Fork uh, Shad Spawn videos, but yes, that's a, that's, a, that's a video that will get somebody hooked on it. Like, that's like when I was talking about watching somebody catch one on a glide bait down the bank. Like, if you watch that video, you would think swim baits and, and glide baits are the end-all question to, to trophy bass fishing. <laughs> yeah, and especially on, like, Fork. I mean, I live an hour and a half, maybe a little less than that from Fork. Um, and I have never, well, I, I don't go that often, but I have never gotten on a bite like that Um Ever, ever. I, I've heard of it here and there, and I see uh, there's one guy on YouTube, I can't remember his name, but he, he was catching a lot of fish on like a 316 Rising Sun out there, which I mean, still, you know, it's a big swim bait, but I haven't seen anyone post about that bite, like a big glide glide bait bite for like a shad spawn lately. Yeah, um, during the, the Texas show, there was, uh, they did the tournament that Sunday after, and I think big fish was like seven and a half, which I mean, for me, that's, that's a very large fish, but considering right. 
you know, what Lake Fork has. That's a that's a really well respectable fish, but you know, that's what I I was saying, you know, either somebody's going to catch a 10 pounder or nobody's going to catch a thing and there's going to be three boats with lower units ripped off because they didn't buy the the lake chip. <laughs> Absolutely. And what's crazy, well, I guess what contributes to like the normal shad spawn and stuff is fork has been rising now. Um, I guess when y'all were there, it was still pretty low um, or it's starting to rise up a little more. And the past couple of years, I mean, it was just extremely low. All their normal clay points were gone. A lot of the cover was gone and now the water's back up. So now they're starting to stay up shallower, um, keep that shad out in the middle of the lake, which is what I found to be the most annoying thing is that all the shad is just in the middle of the channels, like suspended, and it's just so hard to catch bass for me, target target those fish it, out in that middle middle of like nowhere thing. Like they could be anywhere in the lake and you'd have no idea. And it's not like that's a small lake to be picking apart either. I mean, it's a very <gasps> large lake. Absolutely. And and that's the thing, like um I mean there there could be fish set up and the only way you could fish them is is in the lanes that they have for boat traffic because they're it's just in the huge huge timber field like you know it's it's very um it's got to set up i i from what i know and what i've seen they've got to set up just right to have a chance at the at the big fish out there or yep. you know you obviously can luck into one you know fishing like a crank down or a crankbait around uh, stump fields and stuff that are super low, but I feel like a lot of the stuff, it just has to be the right year. You know, like you said, the water level has got to be perfect and those shad have to be pushed, pushed into an area that you're able to access and, and fish effectively with a glide bait or with a crank down or a spoon or something like that. Yeah. And like I was there post spawn and the shad were out, dude, I was sitting in, get this. I was sitting in 35 foot of water and I'm fishing a point that had like just got, you know, it's probably five foot more water on it than the past year. Mm-hmm. And there's trees out in the middle of like 35 foot of water, just big old stumps sticking up. And I'm catching fish on a spook in 35 foot of water, middle of nowhere. Like it's the most like herring like thing I've ever done. Like I fished on Lake Murray in South Carolina, like yeah. herring, herring fish that'll chase a spook out there like that. But I've never done it in Texas where I'm like in the middle of nowhere uh, like casting at like four stumps, trees, whatever you want to call them in 35 foot of water. And they're blowing this spook out of the water. Yeah, I would. Um, I, t- so I talked about this, um, idea <laughs> and concept. I think it was probably like my fifth or sixth episode of the podcast. I didn't have a guest and I just wanted to record a podcast. So I talked about some ideas I had. And so Lake Fork is like always stained and muddy, right? No, I mean, in the summertime, it generally gets pretty, not blue, but kind of like that green Texas tint where it's not dirty, but it's like yeah. greenish. Um, generally, it doesn't get super dirty. Uh, right. There's only a couple lakes in Texas that really get dirty. Hmm. Um, I, well, I, I talk about in that episode how up here in, in, in clear water areas, um, do you know how like when, a, when a, you're outside working or fishing or whatever, yeah. And you hear and you hear and then you see like a shadow of a plane or uh, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. like and you, and you look up. I mean, I, I talk about this and I kind of go in depth about how 
you know, what's to say a fish doesn't do the same thing in, in 20 feet of water if you're fishing clear water and you're ripping a spook or a crankbait, or not a crankbait, a spook or a glide bait or something. Oh, and, that's interesting. And they, and they see the shadow go across their face, and obviously they're kind of looking up a little bit, and they, they kind of kilter up, and they see this thing, you know, 20 feet up there. And and I, I mean, fish are just as curious as us from, from what we know <laughs> and how you see fish react. So it's like... It's not crazy to think of a fish seeing this shadow looking up and be like, oh my gosh, there's there's a dying thread fin or a herring or or, or, or something up there, a shad. And so they go up there and, and check it out. And I don't know, I feel like that's something that's kind of slept on. And, and you mentioning that kind of brought that to my attention because I was like, oh, maybe it's, you know, I, I didn't think it was super clear water, but I figured that that could probably be a thing that, that was happening because I've heard of guys doing it before, like fishing crank down or fishing like wake baits and spooks yeah. and stuff in just absolutely crazy deep water, but it's also super clear. So that light and shadow and stuff gets down there to those fish. Yeah. I think absolutely. I mean, sight and their curiosity is a hundred percent a player in that. And also the sound, a lot of people don't focus on the sounds your lures make when, when you fish them. Uh, so like tying, tying this into like swim baits and stuff, like I am always so cautious of putting like lead tape on stuff because there is a natural sound that comes with a lot of the baits. Um, and when you put lead tape on something, it can a lot of the time can dole out a lot of the noise. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you want to do the opposite thing where you do want to dole that presence of, you know, like an unnatural, like a click from like a, like a wooden bait or like a, like resin hitting, hitting on itself. Um, so a lot of people, I, I guess, I'm pretty nitpicky about my stuff, but that's one thing that I 100% will pay attention to when it comes to like sight, wa- like water clarity, sight, and how sound affects those fish. Yeah, I talked about this on another episode. I am very surprised, you know, because jerk baits and, and crank baits and stuff, you know, there's a large variety that have rattles and stuff. And I'm surprised, uh, like, you have, uh, do you have a trick shot or do you just have the seven inch glide? So I have, um, I have one, uh, eight inch shad glide. I have one modified eight inch shad glide and then I have a trick shad. Okay. So, you know, when you're looking at the, the, so the head joint, how you look and there's that hole where the lead goes into for the tuning, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm surprised that there isn't a builder who, uh, drills a hole closer to that uh, the eyelet, you know, whether it's mm. five sixteenths or that's probably pretty big, like a three three eighteenths hole and modify it so you can put in like a jig rattle or something. So so that glide bait oh. has, some, has some rattle to it. And there's also, I've only seen one bait builder do this and his baits are made out of wood and they're very insane to find. Like they get flipped for like 3,200 bucks. But there's a wake bait, a two-piece wake bait out there. It's wood, and he puts. I'm not sure if they're like, uh, like little finish nails, or there's some kind of nails, or you know, metal head something, maybe even BBs. But he's okay. got them on the joint for this wake bait. So when you're when you're reeling it, it has that high pitch, like a ding, you know, ding, joints ding. Are hitting. Yeah. No, I think that's. I think that's like a killer idea for a lot of, especially now where where you've got your, your swim bait manufacturers. And then like, I feel like there's another like niche market for like swim bait or swim bait creators that can do something like that and get into like for sure. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, 
So when when we're recording this, uh, Caesar at Toxic Baits just posted. Uh, he had a live stream and he was just talking about his new series of baits. I can't remember what they're called, but it's um, it's so you can fish his baits at any speed and they'll keep a super tight swim, or you can almost walk it in place. So if you, if you kind of know what his baits look like, they're a little bit thicker and they've got like a wide nose and point to them. He essentially put in like a bull ring, like like a nose ring almost on this bait and then it's got a split ring to it. So it's kind of like, um, kind of like a self tuning, uh, ring like you would have with a lipless crankbait. Yeah. So that's so guys out, um, when they're fishing out in the ocean with his stuff, like they can burn it super fast and it'll stay super tight. It won't blow out and, and swim all weird. You can also troll him for striper and stuff as well as when you're fishing his like wade hogs and stuff. That's a wake bait. You can just, you know, he he was describing it, and he posted a swim video. I actually hadn't gotten to watch it yet. But if you if you hit your reel and give it, like, you know, an eighth inch of a turn, that bait will do a 180, like a super hard spook walking back and forth because that ring just moves so fast with so little movement. So that's something that um, I don't think – I think he said Jerry Rago did it first, but it was so long ago, and it wasn't kind of well-known. But okay. I think – I think this is something that Caesar's doing that will probably catch on pretty well. No, yeah, I cannot wait to see that. Um, took a took a slight intermission there, but we are. Um, Sam's going to kind of tell us the story. Is your PB the one that you caught on the on the bullshad or the the bullshad glide bull glide? I don't know what Mike calls yeah, it. Shad glide, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that that's my PB. Finally broke it after like six years <laughs> yeah man so first off how big was that fish and then we'll kind of talk about what you were doing and how you, how you set up for that fish yeah so that fish there um you can see the video on my channel it's super awesome video um it, it was 10.88 uh or, or i think it was like 10 pounds 11 ounces or 12 ounces or 13 ounces something like that but basically 10.88 is what it would have converted to in, in straight pounds Dang, dude. So you're fishing out of a decently smaller boat and you've got it set up with uh with forward facing sonar and stuff. So did you see that fish on forward facing sonar or were you just kind of scanning and casting and, and working your way through a spot that you have? Yeah, so that's my boat there. If you're watching the video, it, it it's like a 16 foot like flat bottom aluminum. My boat's like a 1965, like doesn't even have a name on it. But uh, insurance is like, yeah, your title says it's 1965, so we're gonna choose like not to really insure it for you. So um, that's always fun. But but yeah, yeah. So I'm like on a, a smaller boat, but I rigged it out with um, I guess my big boy money. Um, <laughs> my parents helped for sure after I graduated, um, but basically decked it, carpeted it, put an Ultrex on it, and live scope. Um, I used some of my leverage, some of my college discount stuff before I got out of there for the Ultrex, Ultrex and live scope units. And I don't want to hear any hate in like the comments section. I only get to fish like once, maybe twice a week um, at the most. And for me, live live scope is just you know helps me break down a lake and see if there's even life around mm -hmm. most of the time more than it is targeting a lot of fish now i will do it in the winter time just because it's like a little easier um but i did live scope that fish um and i guess i'll kind of set up how it happened 
So water temps were basically like 79, like really post spawny. And I'm out there, fishing's really tough, bluebird skies. And I'm fishing down pretty far off the bank. I'm looking for, I was fishing like a little ledge, a little drop off. And for whatever reason, in the back of my mind, I was like, you should go look off the deep end. So basically sitting, I don't know, 70, 80 feet off the bank already. And I look another, I don't know, I've got my forward facing set up to almost 100 feet out. So, I mean, I probably saw this fish near 200 feet off the bank. So pretty far off the bank. Like she was just roaming out there 35-ish foot of water. Um, and she was suspended too, which was like, she was maybe two foot below the surface. I kind of looking back on it, I kind of feel bad for catching this fish because it was just sitting there. Like it, it was moving and I had to like kind of move my trolling motor real fast to get over to where I could actually make a cast on it and, um, throw it out there, work it pretty fast. And she fired on it as soon as like it got within 20 feet of her. Like she, I guess, heard it or saw the presence of the bait she ran so usually like live scope stuff like you're bringing your bait back and the fish chase it towards you this mm -hmm. fish chased it at the bait like away from me and i was like what the hell is going on dude and like i've got mine pretty dialed to where i can see the size of the fish i'm like oh my gosh this is this is a giant giant fish throw it out there work it she smashes it and um the rest is history man yeah dude um do you have a net in your boat now? Because in that video, you do not have a net. Do you, is that something that you, you bought after that experience? Or still absolutely not. Net? No, absolutely not. Um, so I coach high school fishing. Um, and uh, one of the biggest issues I see with anglers coming up through the sport is that they rely so heavily on a net. Uh, there's so much pressure put on the person netting the fish. Um, and, and you know, if you know how to fight a fish correctly, uh, I'm not saying that mistake or, you know, incidents don't happen where you lose fish or, or that it's not, you know, not, not like a super common thing for, if you know how to fight them, but, uh, things do happen, but I don't think nets make you a better fisherman. Like if you know how to fight a fish, you should be able to land a fish. And that's, that's a motto that I've gone by since like high school, like college. Like if I know how to fight a fish correctly, and the way I'm supposed to, I will not lose fish. And so far, I've never needed a net hookup to land ratios 100%, um, especially on big baits, uh, like bullshad burritos, rising suns, shad glides. Like, my landing ratio is 100%. So uh, even though my net man, uh, my buddy Bennett, my high school, one of the high school kids I coach, he was out there with me. Everyone's grilling him in the comments. It's hilarious. But, um, yeah, no net. Yeah. it. Um... That's kind of a big controversy, 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 can't say that word. Controversy. That's like, yeah, that's like the big thing. Um, about a, it's about a week ago in, uh, in some bait universe, um, a guy was talking about how he snapped his rod and stuff. And he, um, he didn't, he, he was trying to boat flip the fish. He didn't even actually snap his rod. He snapped his line, but everybody's like, you should have a net, you know, X, Y, Z. I Crap. will say from what I saw, he did not go about boat flipping the fish, right? He got it right next to the boat, no momentum, anything. And then he high-sticked the fish super high. Dude, probably four you, foot up on the blank. 
Oh and my gosh. He just tried to pick it up and it snapped snapped off a KGB, I think Legend or Chad, Chad, one of the two. And it was just, you know, it was just a bad look. And whether he was thinking about it or not, you know, whatever. If he had a net, he probably would have landed it. If, if you know, if he was uh, efficient with your net or with his net, because you see people fumble around with nets all the time with rods yeah. and nets or in the baskets and stuff like that. So it comes down to whatever. Like, I am not opposed to using a net if I'm in a boat. But if I'm on, you know, if I'm fishing like the pierheads and stuff, I am not carrying a net with me. So I just flip it. Yeah. Never had a problem with, with flipping fish because you know, there's a way to go about it and there's a way not to go about it. So as long as you kind of have an idea of your gear and, and how to do it and the technique, then you're going to be fine, you know, nine times out of 10, unless that freak accident happens. Yeah. And I mean, I could go on this, like I can dive, dive down the rabbit hole on like boat flipping fish in general. Um, you know, there's different ways you can boat flip fish. And of course it's always cool, like to see a hero shot of you boat flipping like a seven, eight, nine, 10 pounder, but realistically the, the damage you're going to do to that fish, you know, slamming it against the deck of your boat, mm-hmm. you know, cr- crushing its tail. Like that thing weighs 10 pounds. Yeah. That's like taking your body weight and, you know, throwing yourself on your arm basically for that fish. Um, and, and the fish doesn't have two legs or any other ways of getting around. And if you smash that tail, it's just, I mean, that, that fish is done for. Um, and th- that's how I look at it. So I really try to, um either grab every fish that i catch or flip in a way to where they don't land straight on their tail and they land sideways on the deck of the boat um so that that's that's kind of my view on it as well and you know it, i guess in in another way using a net would eliminate all those problems but i make sure to do it in in a, in a safe manner you know yeah no for sure i just sent you that picture over text of um of the screen grab i'm talking about from Oh my gosh. Situation. <laughs> Dude. Okay. So like what's funny too, working with companies, um, you know, rod companies, real companies, you know, all this, like if I watch that video and you're using my rod and I see you do that crap, like I'm not, re- I'm not giving you a warranty on that rod. Like yeah. at all. Like, no, heck no. You're misusing the rod. Yeah. It was a champ extreme. And you know, um, I talked to some guys and we, we talked about, it. they were like, they, they build rods and stuff and you know, they know their way around rods and they're like, I would be surprised if he, I would be surprised if he does not break that rod in the next month on a hook set or on Absolutely. a flip after that much stress on a blank like that, that high up too. It's not like he was only holding like, you know, a foot up above the real seat. He was holding a good three or four feet up. Yeah. No, you're, you're putting so much stress on like one of the thinner parts of the rod that's yeah no i'm i'm getting sick looking at that yeah yeah it's uh it's a very um <laughs> interesting thing to look at and and you know that that goes that goes into the next thing um when you're fighting fish on 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 your big glide baits and stuff are you grinding them in or are you kind of letting them play giving them head shakes and kind of fishing with looser drag uh, so most of my stuff is locked down most of the time. Like if it's especially like a tater hog or like a bull shad, which realistically are the only two, two I throw right now, just because I, I find that they cover all my bases, mm-hmm. uh, that I need for like a glide bait. I'm usually cranking them in, uh, unless they're super far out, you know, I'm going to give them what they need a lot of the time, but you know, with swim bait stuff, it's all, 
uh, give and take because everyone's got different rod lengths, everyone's got different rod powers, each one has different actions. And I'm using a Dobbins 806 long candle that I actually bought from John. Um, and he's caught, I think, two or three DDs on this rod. Um, and I caught one on it now, so it gave me some good good luck or good, you know, good juju on it. And um, I'm usually cranking them in pretty good. You know, I'm using 20-pound Seaguar Abrasex for, for that setup right there and a lose 300 Super Duty which I need to upgrade, but I mean, if it works right now, it works. <laughs> so uh, yeah, usually cranking them in, I, I, and right when they get next to the boat, then I'll be a little more cautious. I might let them run um, because you can have them go straight under the boat and you really need to let them have line or they're gonna get leverage on you, um, running to the other side, basically. Yeah, and it, it, you're fishing a smaller boat, so it's not like you can run between the consoles and into the back of the boat and then around the boat type thing. Like you, you're working with pretty limited real estate, so you gotta you gotta figure out the best way to go about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, my deck is I don't know, fifty six inches wide, so it's not like a little deck. I can comfort comfortably fish three or four people on my front deck. It's like an eight and a half foot long deck too. Oh dang! Okay, so yeah, it's you. You have some room up there to to have some activities and stuff going on. Then, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, half my boat is deck, basically. More than half my deck, or half my boat is deck up front. Um, very front heavy, <laughs> just the way I built it. But the barge. Uh, yeah, definitely looking for some upgrades here. Uh, put some like metal decking on it and some like actual hatches, not my like Jenko slap a hinge on it hatch, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so you so you talked about your rod and reel. You talked about how you kind of kind of fight the fish to a point. You know, if it gets up close to the boat, you kind of play it a little bit more. Do you worry about messing with the drag star, or are you thumbing the spool Thumb it. every time? Uh, I don't I don't care how good your reel is, um, especially with swim bait stuff and big line. Once your once your line crimps down to a certain point, it, it doesn't really matter. So everything I do is going to be thumbed, even on just traditional bait casters with like cranks and stuff like that. You know, chatter baits or Texas rigs. Everything I do, if it needs to run, it needs to run. And the, it the, basically the time it takes for me to adjust my drag start right where it needs to be is yeah. basically pointless. Right. So like if I loosen it up too much, I'm screwed. If I loosen up too little, then it might break my line. So I don't really play with it. I just thumb everything. I've got a good feel for it. So Yeah, that's something oh, excuse me. That's something I never got into. Mostly because where I predominantly was was swim bait fishing up at home, it's it's a pier head. It's about you know, it's a solid six to seven feet depending on water height that you're you're fishing lower than the, or you're fishing higher than the water. So you're fishing yeah. almost a, a, a cliff side. And so when I was talking about uh, flipping fish, it was literally, and I mean, it is, I mean, you're watching these fish eat 40 feet away from you mm -hmm. and you, you sweep into them. And literally I, once I sweep into the fish, I don't pay attention. I look down at my reel and I grind that thing in as fast <laughs> as I can to keep that momentum to flip it. Yeah. And also to not, you know, because we've got we've got a lot of zebra mussels up here. If they get you around the the walls or rocks or oh, anything, yeah, you're done for you, you lose it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Zebra mussels are such 
a bad issue in a lot of the Texas lakes now. You know, Texas Parks is doing everything they can to control them, but it is so bad in some of the lakes right now. Like, I can throw a crankbait two cast and my line will come in, and it's shredded. Yeah, and I've talked about this before um, a couple episodes ago. I, is there zebra mussels in Texoma? Te- Texoma? Yes, there are. I will say, do you know how long, have they only been there for a couple of years? Uh, they've been not like super invasive, but they, they've been in there for quite a while. Um, not to the point where it's taking over yet, but my home lake on like Grapevine, dude, it's, it's so bad. That's like I was talking about for like zebra mussels. It's so bad. They've taken over. Is there smallmouth in that lake by chance? There are smallmouth in that lake. Little known fact, the lake record was like caught this winter, basically. Uh, like a six pounder, like six and a half pounder, I think. Dang. So I will say if those zebra mussels are in there for long enough and in big enough numbers, that lake should have, you know, constant, I, I don't know anything about it. Realistically, if it was a lake up here and what happened up here, when those zebra mussels are in there long enough, that smallmouth fishery should get stupid good because the water will get super clear and that lets these smallmouth be out deeper in the water as well as sight fish further away. They can see shad or or schools of bait further away since that water's clear, so they have more depth perception and stuff. It's people say that's what got like Lake Erie, Lake Superior, and Lake Michigan. You know, that's that's why the smallmouth fishing has gotten so good in the last handful of years because the zebra mussels have made that water because because the zebra mussels filter the water and make it super clear, take out all those little, uh, you know, whatever it may be that gets the water dirty. And they're yeah. just kind of a, a filter. And and people think like that's why the fishing has gotten so good in the last couple of years, because those smallmouth can can sight fish and, and just absolutely obliterate bait and then turn around and run back to a weed patch in 30 feet of water to never, you know, essentially never yeah. be messed with until forward facing sonar became a thing. Absolutely. I think, yeah, the smallmouth, uh, back when I guess like 20 some years ago, like the, like the smallmouth fishing was super good when they just put them in. Um, but with the introduction of like the zebra mussels and they put spotted bass in there, uh, and the white bass population, the hybrid population, I mean, they're, you know, these smallmouth, I think John may have talked about it a little in his podcast, but when you introduce like hybrid stripers and like white bass and like spotted bass and stuff, they're chasing all this bait around and these smallmouth just can't get to the size they need to, mm-hmm. to where you know, they can feed on a, a bunch of fish and just kind of sit there and not have to chase them. Like in Texas lakes here, the water's so hot, like, the smallmouth can't get to like those really, really good trophy sizes because they're just moving around so much. But the zebra mus- mussels definitely do help in the sense that they're able to find their food a lot easier and chase it down. Yeah, it. I don't know. It's like a. It's a trade-off. At what point in time do you want there to to kind of be an uptick in smallmouth fishing, but also? Um, don't want to have to retie every five minutes type thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for I, don't, I can't speak for all the Texas fishermen here, but I think a lot of the guys could care less about a lot of the smallmouth. Like, I think it's fun to do here and there, but most of them are going after 10-pound largemouth. That's like everyone's dream here. No one's dreams to catch like a, you know, six, seven-pound smallie just around where we're at, unfortunately. I, I mean, I'd love to have them in the lakes, but I think a lot of people just aren't, 
willing to target them or, or I mean, haven't played around with smallmouth enough because they don't, they're not used to fishing for smallmouth, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's pretty much the other way around here. If you're, you know, if you're a good fisherman up here, there's a good chance you catch big smallmouth and, and, you know, you, you catch random big largemouth. But with fisheries like St. Clair and you got Burton Mullet Lake up north, you have Grand Traverse Bay, you have Lake Michigan, Lake Erie, Lake Superior. I mean, there's a handful of other lakes too um, up north that hold these, you know, six, seven, you know, pushing eight pound smallmouth. It, uh, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. But I will say, um, if he's listening to this, he's kind of more of a conventional guy and, uh, we were fishing together. He's kind of become a friend now. He uh, he caught a seven pound largemouth on Lake St. Clair this this spring. Oh. Dang! We almost we almost had a thirty pound bag anchored by a seven pound largemouth this spring. We had a seven point oh three largemouth, a six nineteen smallmouth, and then we weren't like we weren't able to cull out our like four and a half to four and three quarters. Like it was an absolute crazy day. We didn't catch. You know, a bunch of fish, but we were just hammering them too. It was just, it was hammering, hammering good fish, I'll say. Yeah, dude, those are some of the best days though. Like, I mean, I've had days where I can catch like 100 plus fish, but the ones where you're, you know, not, you know, consistently catching better than average, like really good class fish at, at like a high, lesser catch rate, I guess. Dude, yeah. those, those are, I think those are the best days. We're not just burning through one pounders and you know one and a half pounders, but you're catching five pounders. That that's fun to me. Yeah, um, we couldn't figure out the the um, the live scope that day. It was be it was like stuck in demo mode. But I yeah. think if we would have had that figured out and tuned out like they have it now on the boat, yeah, I I think we probably we were on fish. We were on big enough fish to probably catch thirty pounds, if not a little bit more, even. Dude, that's so awesome, especially on lakes like that. And, and the the unfortunate thing is that was my first time ever on Lake St. Clair. So it's like, man, like well, that was some special treatment right there. Yeah, you, you got spoiled right there. Yeah. yeah. And I I didn't bring the right stuff because I wasn't sure how that lake set up. So I had some swim baits, but I didn't have the right stuff. Like I had some citizens and some other smaller glide baits I wanted to fish. We were fishing like 18 foot of water with stuff that I would have gotten snagged on. And I probably right. would have been upset because, because they were like, we were fishing dark sleepers and stuff and we'd get hung up and, you know, we'd go and get it. But I'm like, I don't want to get hung up and us go get it. And uh, me be the reason we scare off a big fish that we don't right. know about. So I just stuck to dragging around a dark sleeper and I caught a bunch of fours and four and a half and stuff. It was a super fun day. And I actually, I, we, um, when we first got there, it was super rainy. It was a super rainy, windy April day. We pulled up to a rock pile, and I have one of those little uh, throwback woodies, the the little yep. woody wake walker, and it actually cranks down a little bit. So it's like a seven-foot deep rock pile, and I was cranking down this woody, and I just had a fish just smash it, and I lost it, unfortunately, but I think that was a pretty big fish. That was like the first fish I had hooked all day. Well, the first fish I hooked that morning, and then... I didn't catch a fish for a while and then we caught, got into those big fish and then it was just kind of the sun poked out and those smallmouth started to sight fish more and it, it just got to be a stupid good day. Dude, that's so awesome. I think, I mean, my PB Smalley is only five pounds, but I caught that at Lake Pickwick um, 
And like, I really haven't gone up like north north for like smallmouth, and I really want to take a trip up there at some point. Yeah, there are some. I mean, any lake that's inshore that's next to Lake Michigan, there's a good chance that there's you know seven pound smallmouth in it. Man, that I wish. I wish, but hey, every pond here in Texas probably has like an eight, nine, ten pounder in it. So, yeah, yeah. exactly, there's a good chance you know uh, a quarter acre pond holds a fish double the size of my PB. You know, ten, ten, eleven <laughs> pound fish swimming around in there. So, so it's like, yeah, it's a fair trade off. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right, but I, I think fishing here in Texas is just so special. I guess in a way, like I think fishing in Texas is like really methodical almost um the way the way i've like patterned fish here is that you can give them like five different patterns for a lake and if they're not on four of them they're going to be on that last one it's not like they're totally random but you just have to eliminate all those other patterns and then eventually get to where they're at you know generally on one thing yeah getting to fish down there only once during the gathering I will say it was um, being obviously being up in Michigan. It was a very surreal feeling to be down there on the paddle boards and literally every cast thinking, oh, my gosh, I could hook into a nine pounder right here. And if not, if not bigger fish like any any one of these casts I've taken all day. And that's it. That's like it kept me locked in like the whole day. That's probably the most concentrated I've been fishing because. I was like, literally any one of these casts skipped under a dock or past uh, past a group of lily pads or something like, could be a fish that I have no chance of catching back up at home. Right. Yeah, dude. I think I should have gone. I can't remember what I was doing, um, but I was gonna go down there with John just to see what it was about. But I was like, yeah, I think I have to do something. <laughs> yeah. No. It was. It was the gathering down there was super, super cool. It was, um, very, so the first gathering in Virginia in 2019, it was very small. It was in front of a tackle shop. You know, there was, you know, five pop-up tents, probably, you know, probably like 14, uh, 14 booths and stuff. And Texas had more booths, but it was that same exact feel. It was very small. It was put together. You could tell it was like a very small community. And now in Virginia, I don't know if you've seen pictures, but there's a big huge like uh, event tent at this campground that the one in virginia goes down on so it feels like a very big venue you know it's high high raised tent ceilings you know big booths and everything so it not gonna say it doesn't feel as small and cozy but when you're bumping elbows with everybody and like the line is wrapped all the way around the tents and stuff to bait builders it's like oh my gosh this is like the grassroots of what the first one in virginia was like it's just super cool and i'm sure next year they're going to have to be bigger or it's going to be even somewhere different where, where there is like a big pavilion or something because it, it could be that big because there was, there were so many people there that were locals that yep. didn't know what swim bait universe was. They obviously knew what swim baits were and stuff, but they had yep. no idea what it was. They just heard that there was a big event going on and then, you know, they, they join and I, next year, like I said, next year, I bet you it's even bigger because their, their buddies are going to tell buddies and there's just going to be more and more locals because the, the dude, while we were down there, the amount of bass boats being pulled by nice trucks I saw was absolutely mm-hmm. insane. Like we were watching F three fifties pulling like brand new 2021, 2022 bass cats and stuff. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And Marshall's like, you know, this is like, this is what it is like down here. Dude, yeah. And I was this like, is Texas. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And like 
my girlfriend was like, wow, there's a lot of nice boats and trucks down here. I'm like, uh, yeah, up here you, you have, you either have a nice truck or a nice boat. Like you either have you know, right. a 2020 Skeeter and then you're, you're pulling it with like a 2006 Chevy 2500 that's rusted to crap right. or you have an older Skeeter with a new truck, you know, it's not right. like there's not a bass fishing culture obviously up here like it is down there. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. And finding, finding the middle ground, like I am nowhere near a big truck, nowhere near a big boat. Like, uh, my boat 16 foot with a 30 horse Johnson, you know, it's a 65, uh, you know, 1965 boat. And I'm driving a Jeep Patriot, which I think the towing capacity is like just at what my boat weighs. So, yeah. um, I mean, it, yeah, it's crazy to see some of the rigs that some people will pull up with, like, even in like high school tournaments, they'll pull up with like a 2022 K-Miss with like a, I don't know, like F-350, <laughs> you know, it's super insane. Yeah. And they've already got their college wrap on it and stuff. Like it's, it's, it's just so, so crazy. And I will say that that's, there's a, there's an aspect of that culture over on, on the East side of the state where there's St. Clair and stuff and in mm-hmm. a bigger population of, you know, a big lake with big fish that, that everybody in the state and out of state comes to fish, but right. up at home, like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Michigan, but up by like Traverse city, you know, three and a half, you know, almost five hours north of Detroit, northwest of Detroit on the complete other side corner of the state. That is not what it's like. I mean, what Wednesday night derbies are fished out of, uh, do you know what those like 1990 to 2000 sea nymphs are like the, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, that's like, that's like what everybody has, you know, it's kind of a boat that you can walleye fish out of. You can troll, you can vertical jig for salmon, you can bass fish. Like I remember, I remember the first time I rode in a bass boat was my, junior year of high school and i thought it was the coolest or maybe it was sophomore i thought it was the coolest thing ever like that was my dream was to see a bass boat and then ride in it like i remember seeing old 2000 you know skeeters or nitros and stuff like in town and i was like oh my gosh it's a bass boat like i can't believe it that's so crazy yep and then, and then you see the uh like 22 foot like nitros and skeeters yeah, and yeah. And, no that's super awesome i think if the gatherings in Texas again, I'm hundred percent going. I think I just didn't want to spend more money on swim baits than I already had. And <laughs> that was probably yeah. one of the reasons I didn't go. Yeah, dude. It was I I wanna say between like the plane tickets for me and my girlfriend and then the hotel and stuff, it came out to be like, you know, right around eight hundred dollars, which was like pretty cheap because we flew in, I think, Thursday. And then we left Monday. So we were there for like four or five days. You know, we probably spent like 900 to to $1,000 on like food and stuff while we were there because we bought a bunch of groceries. But, you know, all things considering, like with the good time we had, it was pretty cheap. And that was flying from Michigan. So, you know, that's dang near about as far as you could go unless you're coming from like the P&W or California or something. Yep. No, I think, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll go wherever. Like now that, now that like ICAST rolled around and like, you introduced me to like all the swim bait guys like Leviathan and clutch and like all these other ones. Like, I think it makes much more sense for me to go now. Like I've got connections and like, you know, I'll, I'll have someone to like talk to and not just stand around awkwardly, like looking at baits for like the same booth after, you know, a couple hours. Yeah, no, it, um, and that's like, that's like the thing, even in Virginia, there are so many people there and you know, you've got like your core group of guys. Like I could name probably, you know, 40 or 50 guys that I know will be at Texas and at Virginia. 
and not saying that I don't know other people. Like if they say their name, I'll know who they are, and I'll kind of I kind of have a picture of, of like their Facebook account and stuff in my head. But dude, right. I've I've been in I've been in Universe, and now I'm I'm a moderator in Universe, and there there are guys who come, came up to me in Texas and Virginia and start talking to me, and obviously they know the podcast and stuff, and like I've got you know, I don't know who they are. Like, I'm like, Oh, you know, thanks. I appreciate it. Hey, I didn't catch your name. And then they'll say it. And then I'm like, Oh, I, I know of you or I, yeah, I don't really know who you are, you know? And then I follow or they follow me or I follow them on Facebook and I kind of the next year, the next event, I'm like, Oh, Hey, what's up, man? Give them a hug. Cause I know who they are. And I talk to them every day. No, that's what it's all about, man. Just making connections. I mean, not just like Swim based stuff, but in, in life, you know, you get your connections, you make friends, and I mean, that's how it goes. Yeah. 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 Next year, I will probably definitely be coming down for ICAST. I wanted to this year, and I got invited down to, uh, to, to come with Leviathan and stuff, but I just I couldn't swing it. I'd have been taken off like pretty much the whole month of July for my girlfriend's birthday and, and ICAST and stuff. And yep. I, I didn't actually know this, but since I'm like a LLC and I'm like a media company, you know, I can pay that $150, whatever it is. And I can, I can pretty much get a ticket to go for every day. And that's what I was going to do, but who knows? Maybe, maybe next year I'll get invited. That'd be pretty cool. But yeah, I'm like, I'm like, man, I just want to go at least once to experience it because it's been something that I watched all these YouTubers go to for the past 10 years. And even if there is ripoffs or whatever, you know, that's going to happen every year. I just want to go see it and, and talk to people and, and see all the cool stuff and, and see these people in person that I've, I've watched. And, I, I, you know, you watch on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday fish tournaments and stuff like that. I think that just that would be the coolest thing for me. I'm not there for the products. I'm just there to interview people and, and talk to others and, and make connections. Going back to the full circle, if you know somebody, there's a good chance that they know everybody type thing. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, ICAST right now, um, it, it's really more or less just a media slash networking event. Um, like a lot of the buyers, a lot of the, you know, stores, like big buyers do all their ordering ahead of time. A uh, little insight into like the industry. A lot of those big guys like Taco Warehouse already have everything, like everything like planned out for them to buy. And then when ICAST comes around, they're they're in teams of like four or five guys with a camera, like being rolled around like a movie style camera, rolling around to different booths and filming everything for like the year. And that was my goal as well to film just in a, you know, an absorbent amount of content to go through and, you know, plan out through the year when stuff comes in and stuff like that. So um, from like my point of view, and that's, that's a lot of the reason I didn't have a lot of time because all my time was spent, filming with what I knew we were going to buy, um, but, you know, had it all planned out before the show. So, dude, if you get to go, like, the easiest way to go for anyone listening, like, if you're in with a company, I think extra tickets for them cost, like, if they're already going, extra tickets only cost, like, 40 bucks or something. So just getting in with a company, like, reach out to, like, Leviathan, and they can get you, like, a like a tag to get in for, like, 40, 50 bucks or something. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd probably be the move. But yeah, for sure, I'm gonna go next year. And uh, you know, I I would like to bring my girlfriend just to show her because she's always kind of amazed that I know all these people. Like we were sitting at the booth at my booth in Virginia, or even before the show, and all these people are coming up and talking to me, or I'm standing there, you know, people people are coming up, or I'm seeing people and going to talk to them, and she's like, oh my gosh, like now I know why you're always on your phone, like and your phone's always going off because people are messaging you, like. 
you you talk to a lot of people. Like it's not just one person you're talking to. I'm like yeah, I mean I, you know it, it's it's a smaller community and kind of you know like a, like like full circle here. Everybody knows everybody, whether it's up at the yeah. top or just anglers in general. And then she's like, I didn't even realize the podcast was that big. I'm like, I yeah, people people know about it type thing. <laughs> I'm pre. I'm uh. I'm big time now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we we went down to Texas, and uh, she was like, "Oh, it's a it's a lot smaller venue." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's kind of how the first one was and stuff." And and then even even people knew who she was from when we were in Virginia. Like people are no like, hey. "Like, yeah, I I know. Who, I remember you like walking around last or last time and stuff." So that was that was super cool. So and I think she just likes going to see all this stuff that I talk about that she has absolutely no idea what I'm referring to. So. That's what makes it fun for her, I think. <laughs> yeah, my, my girlfriend, like, she'll sit on the boat with me, but she's, like, probably not going to be fishing. Like, I've set her up with a drop shot, and she can fish a drop shot pretty dang well um, because you don't really do anything with it. But, I mean, she just kind of, like, admires me from the back of the boat, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I got my girlfriend a paddleboard, and... She just she just watches. She just watched me fish, and then we we actually just got our dog to sit on the paddleboard. So who knows? Next time we go out, he'll probably come with us. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, dude, I need to train my cat to do that. That would be so dope. Yeah, dude, you could be like Marshall, but instead of instead of Archie the lizard, you could have you could have your cat. <laughs> there like, there was times when Marshall first got started, he would bring out his cat Lester out on the paddleboard. Yeah, oh yeah. man, funny, funny. Um. What, uh, wrapping it up here, what are some company plugs you got in social media shout outs? Man, of course, like pro tackle, like if you want to follow my stuff, um, and you want to see what I do, like on a day to day basis, like pro tackle is probably the place to go for that. I do have like a personal channel, just Samuel underscore climber or charged up Basson. Um, I really don't do too much on that. Like I'll go out one week and then I'll catch a big fish and I'll post it like once a week. Now I uh, used to be so much more active on it, trying to get better at it. But um, you know, some of the, some of the big companies, like I said already, like Yolo tech is a major one. Uh, Seaguar is my favorite line of all time. Seaguar uh, brace X and gold label for my leaders, just hands down, never break off. Um, and of course, for those of you listening to the podcast here, Give it a follow, give it a like, whatever platform it's on. You know, I don't know if there's a rating system for this, but give it five stars, guys. You know, Adrian's a super dope guy and uh, appreciate what he's doing in the swim bait community. Heck yeah, man. I appreciate it. Um, as always, I'll put all Sam's stuff in the uh, in the show notes. You guys can go follow him, follow Lake Pro Tackle and all that good stuff. When you guys are listening to this, hey, um, there might uh trying to think might. when this will come out there might be if not when you guys are listening uh maybe a couple days after there might be some uh some clutch baits in the on the storefront to to go to go buy on the site but i'm sure if you got if this comes out whenever this comes out i will post about it whenever they have them so either you'll see it on the story beforehand or a couple days after after you guys listen to this but uh trying to think um all same stuff in the description as always uh if you guys don't follow the podcast on instagram make sure you guys do that scales and tails underscore podcast but there's a good chance i might change to scales and tails media since since we're doing some other stuff rather than just the podcast i don't know that's up in the air we've talked about it but i don't know if i'm gonna pull the trigger on that 
But uh, if you guys haven't uh, rated the show on your listening platform, go ahead and do that. It kind of helps it put in the algorithm for, for new listeners and stuff who, who don't come from Facebook or my Instagram and stuff. And uh, check out the Patreon, the monthly sticker giveaway automatically on the Patreon, automatically get entered, as well as uh, you get early access to the zine and you get to buy the zine before anybody else has it. So that's pretty cool. But uh, I think I think that's everything. I think that's all the shout outs. But hey. yeah, shout out Lake Pro Tackle, shout out Leviathan. You guys have all the codes you guys heard at the beginning of the beginning of the episode to go pick some stuff up from from each of them. And like like Sam said, there's a um, you know in in the works they'll have some Leviathan rods in in store as well. So if you're around that DFW area, go uh, go and you and you want a Leviathan like the day you're listening to this, go uh, go see if they have them in stock. But if not, keep your eye out on their page and. Obviously, I share all their stuff and I tag them and everything. So, if if I post about it, there's a good chance they they have it there. So, I want to thank uh, thank Sam for coming on. I appreciate for I appreciate him coming on as well as kind of you know getting getting to work with him and, and the guys over there at Lake Pro Tackle and obviously getting the zines and stuff in there. That was super cool. They were the first guys to uh, I reached out to and we kind of talked about it and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And then also running the ads and stuff on the podcast. It's super cool and I hope that kind of helps you guys look at look at a website that's not that big huge tackle warehouse and, and you guys can have a discount code and snag stuff for under retail it's always uh always nice when you can save a couple dollars so like i said i want to thank sam for coming on i want to thank you guys for listening i hope you guys enjoyed the episode and i'll talk to you guys next time see you guys